SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, as always, I'm joined by Stefan Chin. Hello. Stefan, what's your favorite kind of hot dog? Ooh, just a normal one. Mm-hmm. You just, like, actually, well, okay, Costco. the Costco <laughs> hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> and you put a little onion on there and some oh, extra, wow. some, and you bring your own cayenne pepper and just dust, do just, a light dusting. Yeah, we just lost a bunch of listeners. Ooh. What's your tagline? <laughs> What's the point of firm tofu? Sam Schultz is here, too. What's up? Sam. Yep. What's your tagline? I need a blankie. That's my tagline. You got one right behind you. Oh, shit. I (laughs) (laughs) Sari Riley is here as well. Yep. What's your tagline? Hot dog gremlin. He eats all the hot dogs? Yeah, he's made of hot dogs. Or that's who you send to fetch your hot dogs. I think he's the off-brand hamburglar. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm in green. My tagline is pink tomatoes. Oh. 
Every week, we get together here on SciShow Tangents to try to one-up amaze and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding Sam Bucks from week to week. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but we probably won't be great at it. So if the rest of the team deems your tangent unworthy, we will force you to give up one of your Sam Bucks. So tangent with care. And now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem this week from Stefan. Photons hurling through space at speed, giving me life, warmth, and vitamin D. Everything that we know just couldn't be without the sparkle that the sun continuously sets free. Oh, yeah. Light is the only way that darkness can be cured, even if the physics can be quite absurd. Is it oscillating particles or waves? I'm not sure. I mean, two slits tells us it's both. At least that's what I heard. (laughs) But the vastness of space is no challenge to transcend at a uniform speed that's hard to comprehend. But then to a prism it concedes and must bend. A rainbow just reminds us that light is our friend. A lamp for my plants, a bright white to mesmerize. And I couldn't see France without light hitting my eyes. Helping us study microbes and those little points in the sky. Touching everything always. Light was quite a pleasant surprise. <laughs> oh, yes. I was very surprised the first time I Look, saw. You come out. I guess. You yeah. open your eyes for the first time. Yeah. Whoa, it's bright. <laughs> what a surprise. But it's a good one. Yeah. yeah. That was a good poem. Thank you. That's all I got on that one. (laughs) Yeah, it was long. You worked on it. Yeah, we don't have any time to talk about it. Oh, shoot. (laughs) Sari, what is light? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Visible light is generally defined as having wavelengths from 400 to 700 nanometers. And then there's infrared, which is longer than that. Mm -hmm. And ultraviolet, which is shorter than that, which is just outside the realm of human vision Mm -hmm. so do we is it defined by like what we can see or like what animal any animal could see like there's a range it's defined by what we could see by what humans could see so other animals can we see outside of that range when we see when we say light we mean visible light generally okay generally yeah yeah like the the thing that we can perceive okay so it is definitely like it doesn't come down to a scientific thing so much as it comes down to like human perception Mm -hmm. which is you know, certainly I mean, affected by science, but that range is just what we can see. And it turns out, like, there's reasons why we can see that range. And largely it's because that's the sort of most of the wavelengths that are around on Earth. The rest of them get either not emitted by the sun at all or they get absorbed by one thing or another on their way to us. Mm. So that's the sort of like the window where the with the best range of stuff. But there's other reasons why, too. And I don't know what they are. There's, like, biochemical reasons why these are better wavelengths Uh-oh. to see than some other broader ones. I would just imagine that variety. it's, like, those are the ones that help you navigate the yeah. space that you're in. They're more plentiful, and and there's a lot of variety. So there are things within that range that absorb or emit in that range, and so you get uh, this variety that we can see, and mm-hmm. thus, like, better differentiate the visible plane but bees were like i don't need to see all that <laughs> exactly. i just need to see flowers really good <laughs> okay. so light seems pretty simple then no, it's just it's the, really <laughs> yeah i mean that that what the visible spectrum is is not super complicated in terms of just like this is just the window once you start but getting into like the mathy stuff what of is light, a photon why why like <laughs> different why frequencies do? different wavelengths different intensities of light yeah polarization of light refraction oh, yeah. of light oh, i'm boy. just going to say more sciencey words <laughs> uh-huh. that i don't really know how to define uh-huh. because that 
is where light gets confusing. And we also need light for biology things. So like photosynthesis oh, right. is a light-dependent mm-hmm. reaction mm-hmm. where sure, of course. photons... Putting sun on your butt. Correct. Yeah. That helps with things, right? What? what? Putting sun on your butt. No. Right? <laughs> oh, people oh, on your butt. sun in their butts. Why? On Instagram. Because it helps... It lines some stuff. No, it doesn't help (laughs) line some stuff. They say that it's like it gives you like a full day's dose of vitamin D just to put your butt up to the sun for for five minutes. I feel like that has an assumption that your butt is like more absorbent of light than the rest of your body and that we're doing a crime by hiding it in pants. (laughs) We are doing it a crime. Yeah, that's the the natural powerhouse of the body. This is so transparent to me that that person was like, oh, I'm going to get a bunch of people paying attention to me if I shine my butthole. (laughs) Is it butt or butthole? It's butthole. butthole. Oh, well, that makes sense. Perineum. Perineum. Perineum, Anyway, why? <laughs> yeah, Caribbean, Caribbean, perineum, yeah. perineum. <laughs> both is correct. Really? I think perineum and perineum are both correct, yes. Oh. Same with Caribbean and Caribbean. Yeah. yeah. Pirates of the perineum. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but you kept saying it over and over again. Light's etymology is kind of boring. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> is it like I bone? Mean, it just means the thing? <laughs> yeah. My guess is that light existed. We had to have something to describe why it was bright half the day (laughs) and not so like light as a word. Uh So it comes from the Latin lux. For light? For light. Mm. Greek leucos for white. Mm. Okay. It is strange to me that we think of light as white. Like it's usually yellowish or transparent sort of. Sun's white. Right? Yeah, the sun's... Well, the sun, if you're outside of our atmosphere, the sun is totally white. From our view, it's a little bit yellow. Because of because some wavelengths are getting scattered around. The blue ones, that's why the sky is blue. Right. Makes the, makes the sun yellow. I haven't taken a good look at the sun in a while. <laughs> don't, don't. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, okay. And now it's time for... Where one of our panelists has prepared three science facts for your education and enjoyment. But only one of those facts is real. The other two are lies. And the other panelists have to decide which is the truth and the lie. And if you get it right, you get a sandbuck. I... I am the purveyor of today's lies. My name is Hank, and I want to tell you about optogenetics. Basically, genetically modifying cells to do specific things when exposed to light or different wavelengths of light even. And it's a super powerful tool that's opened up a lot of doors in the last five years specifically. And it's a really exciting new thing. So which of the following is a real-life application for optogenetics that has been tested in laboratories? Fact number one, a system called EROS, which stands for Erectile Optogenetic Uh Stimulator, which uses light to stimulate erections in rats, or a system called MOSE, which stands for Mouse Zone Exploration, which uses implanted fiber optic lights that scientists could use to affect a mouse's decision as it moved through a maze. Mice guided by the MOSE implants, controlled by scientists, solved the maze 30% faster than those who are not guided. Or fact number three, a system called FRESH, which stands for Fly Red Stimulated Hunger that uses red light to drive fruit flies away from rotting fruits that they like to eat and weirdly had the side effect of making males apparently disinterested in sex. I feel like if it involves a boner, it's real. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. People are very interested in boners. People want that boner technology. Yeah. 
don't think you'd want boner technology to shine light on your head, would you? Look, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say that it was in in your head. Interesting hint. How else? Light on the dick. <laughs> <laughs> Daylight bulbs right on the inside of your pants, nestled up against the perineum. That now sounds warm. Talking. That's way easier that than me. filming yourself. Nude oh, actually, we could totally sell that. Just like LEDs in your <laughs> underpants. <laughs> Blue daylights. Yeah. Great new vitamin D creation. <laughs> what is a sunlight carrying with it that light from a light bulb is not carrying with it that gives you cancer and stuff uv radiation okay that just comes from the sun and that's what Mm -hmm. i should have known that probably and now i do (laughs) (laughs) we learn here yeah we do not helpful for your ability to tell which one is true that's because i have no idea which one is true all of these sound like acronyms that scientists would come up with because they like fun words i do feel like the fruit fly one that one feels the fakest to me which only narrows it down a little bit. Because I feel like over the course of like doing these podcasts and like Beyonce, I've heard about mice getting lights sh- shined into their brains to do different things, but I've never heard about flies. But I think the flies are just getting exposed to light in not just their brain. Genetically, they modified the entire fly. <laughs> oh my God. So that um, they shine red light on it and it changes like how their hormones are expressing. That one is realistic to me just because it's so like relatively easy to modify a fruit fly gene. But if they're not in the light, do they still want that fruit? If they're not in the light, they want the fruit again. Yeah, Mm. so you turn the red light on and they're like, I don't want to eat, but I'm very hungry. And suddenly I also don't want sex. This one's really hard. (laughs) This This is is really hard, yeah, good job. I guess. Okay, two of them are sex. One of them is not. (laughs) One of them's towards sex and one is away from sex. Yes. true. So I'll go with the boners. (laughs) Stefan's gonna go for the boners. (laughs) What do you think about the mice zone one? That one seems... I'm, like, torn between that and the fruit flies. Mm. I don't think I can go with that one. Oh. I think I'm going to go with the mouse zone. Mouse mm. zone for Sam? Okay, I'm going to do mouse zone, too. <gasps> I'm going to trust you about the fruit flies, Sam. Oh, oh my God. Well, don't fruit blame it on me. Fruit flies is fake. Okay. Mouse zone is fake. It's boners, Bon-o! everybody. Oh, no! It's boners, everybody. Boners never let me down. You should have gone with your heart. Yeah. Scientists used optogenetics to create a blue light responsive control over cyclic guanosine monophosphate in the corpora cavernosa, which is the erectile tissue. That's one of the main messengers involved in erections. And when they Mm. shined blue light on the rats, so not on their brains, but uh, like like, through their skin, turn on a mood. Like it yeah. underwear. It worked. Uh-huh. Yeah. So one of the reasons is like, yes, there's a lot of money in boners. <laughs> but the second is that this is a really clear signal. Like, you know when it's working. Oh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. Because like you can see, it's, it's like an on-off switch. You yeah. can see when the boner is happening and not happening. Yeah. <laughs> a literal on-off switch. Yeah. We're turned on now. Do, the, do they have to be seeing the light? Or... No, I think it's through the skin. Whoa. And uh, number two, the the maze thing. There is a thing where basically scientists have been able to like have one mouse go through a thing while wearing a th- that thing on its head. And then they can like program that knowledge into another mouse. Uh, I yeah. don't like that. So that's Weird. what this was based on. But huh. that's not a thing. They couldn't yeah. like tell it to go left or right, which I feel like they should. They could. Yeah. They yeah. could. Mm-hmm. They just haven't done that yeah. yet. And then the red stimulated hunger thing um, that was made up. But there is a cool thing where 
male fruit flies, their, their brain circuits are first activated by smelling fruit before they begin to detect female pheromones. So they kind of have to like smell rotting fruit before they can get it on, huh. which is interesting. For a fruit fly, that makes sense. And uh, optogenetics has been used to control Drosophila courtship and sleep cycles. So there is optogenetic research on Drosophila, hmm. but not this. Because they gotta lay their eggs somewhere where their babies are gonna have rotten fruit. Maybe, to eat? yeah. They do like, yeah. They, that's a good point. Interesting. They just like literally can't detect female hormones until they smell rotting fruit first. That's really cool yeah. and gross. <laughs> this is not how it works for us. Which no. is great. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that means I get two points. That one was too <sighs> sciencey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we're gonna take a short break, and then it'll be time for the fact off. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Factor, whose ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning. Stress is stressful. I don't like it. <laughs> Life just goes and goes, and it doesn't ever stop going. There's always something else to do. And one of those things is a very important thing called eating dinner. To eat dinner, one must pick out what they want to eat and then go to the grocery store and then buy the stuff and then chop the stuff and do other things to the stuff. You have to heat the stuff and put it in water. And then afterwards, you have to take the things that you heated it in and they're gross and you have to make them clean again. Meanwhile, life is still happening that all oh, all oh, that's building up around you. Oh, this is like, terrifying. I'm so, yeah. I never want to cook again. <laughs> You're right, Factor Ad. I don't. I don't want to have this happen. This is unacceptable. Sometimes, uh, parentheses, all the time, uh, you just don't have the time or the energy for meal planning on top of everything else going on in your life. So thankfully, Factor is here to help. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon come mealtime. You can get chef-crafted meals that are better for you and better tasting than takeout delivered right to your door ready to heat and ready to eat. No prep, no mess, no sink full of dishes, no stress. We're kicking stress out the door in 2024, and I certainly hope that's true for me. <laughs> Heck yeah, Factor. Kick my stress. Right out the door. <laughs> I'm going to get a chest freezer just for these meals. Oh, <laughs> well, you're going to need one because they have over 35 meals to choose from. Flexible ordering options, add-ons, smoothies. Factor offers all sorts of fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook. Banish your stress 
even if it's just for like one hour while you're eating dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash tangents50 and use code tangents50 to get 50% off. That's code tangents50 at factormeals.com slash tangents50 to get 50% off. Welcome back, everybody. Sam Buck totals. Sari and Sam are tied with zero, and Stefan and I are in the lead with two. Feels good, huh? It's going to be hard oh, to catch it's us. Great. <laughs> Impossible, we have even. infinite percent more points than you. Now get ready for the fact off, where two panelists have brought science facts to present to the rest of us in an attempt to blow our minds. And we each have a sandbuck to award to the fact we like the most. Who's going to go first? Well, whoever is closest wins. Deep sea creatures live below the photic zone or sunlit zone, but it's not totally dark down there thanks to bioluminescence. About what percentage of the main Taxa of deep sea animals produce light. 80. We got 80. Oh, goodness. Uh, 75. Okay, 75. 76%. I helped you go high. <laughs> I, stop and let you go I was like going to say like 0.3%. <laughs> you know, ultimately, nobody got a point for that, and you don't get to go first, yeah. which isn't so bad. That's true. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I thought you got to pick now. Oh, yeah, yeah. you can pick. Yeah, you want to pick? Oh, I get to pick. Yeah. yeah. I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> During the Apollo program, there were, if you think of the image of the Apollo program, it's a bunch of people sitting in a room. It's the 60s. They're mm-hmm. looking up at a big screen that mm-hmm. has a live image of the mm-hmm. astronauts fluttering around in space mm-hmm. projected onto it. But how the heck did they get that that big picture up there? Because CRT projectors, which are the old type of projectors with the red, green, and blue lenses, couldn't project that big. Like tube TVs couldn't get that big. There were film projectors, but they weren't like printing this live footage onto film and right. then playing it out really big. So how did they do it? The answer is the Edo 4, which is a high-quality live image projector invented in the early 40s by Fritz Fischer, who was a Swedish physicist. And, like, basically everything invented before things went digital, it was super complicated, super weird, and used physics in wild ways to solve problems that we just make computers do now. (laughs) So how it worked was a, a live video feed was fed into an electron gun which translated the image into an electron beam, and then they would shoot the beam onto a mirror that had a one micron thick coating of oil. So the electrons would hit the oil, and they would deform the oil. So like, let's say it's a black and white image. Each little gradient between black and white would hit and deform it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. So the more white it was, the more it would deform the oil. Then a light was shined onto the mirror, and wherever the electrons hit the oil... The light would bend it just enough to get past this barrier inside of it between the light and the lens. Every bit of light that hit a part of the oil that was deformed bounced just barely enough that it could get between the cracks in this barrier. There were like little cracks in the barrier and everything that just bounced straight off hit the barrier. So that became like the black in the image. Mm. And while this was all happening, the mirror was rotating because once the oil got hit by the electrons, it couldn't be hit again because it was already bent up. So there was a squeegee that it would rotate under that would smooth the oil back out so that the electron beam could shoot it. How again. often? I think somebody said it rotated once every 24 hours. Whoa. The squeegee? The mirror would do one full rotation. Oh. So it was like really so big. Really slow? Really big and really slow because I guess the electrons were making really tiny 
dense. Electrons mm. are tiny. They're very small. <laughs> we got no one thing. Checks <laughs> So all this was happening in a climate control vacuum chamber because oh. the oil had to be just exactly the right temperature and the electrons had to be in a vacuum too. And to do color, you'd have to have three of these all lined up perfectly mm. shooting at the same time. Oh. Uh, each one cost $2 million about, and they broke if anything went wrong with the oil. You had to, like, take the whole thing apart and re-oil it and do all kinds of stuff to it. And they weighed literally one ton, but they could do huge live projections that were, like, 40 by 50 feet. And they were super bright, way brighter than anything else at the time. So they were used in sports stadiums, concert venues, and mm. theaters everywhere okay. from the 40s until the 90s oh. when digital projectors were invented and there are lots of people talking about them on forums and stuff but as far as anybody knows there aren't any of them left that are right. operational uh -huh. mm -hmm. and they're redoing right now the control room at the for the apollo program mm -hmm. but they're not redoing those they're just yeah. using digital projections huh. now so it's like a totally dead technology how hard Ooh. is it to do something one micron thick like is should i be impressed that they were able to do that it's, in I, the 40s well especially that they could squeeze they had to like squeegee <laughs> it on at one micron thick once the little divot was made did it just stay there? It stayed there until it got squeegeed off. Okay. So, yes. So was the squeegee wasn't... wiping off the oil, or is it like a sandbox it... where you smooth it over? Yeah. A sandbox. Okay. So, a human hair is about 75 microns across. Huh? Whoa. Whoa. Very small. Yeah. You're not cooking on this disc. No. <laughs> not enough oil for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Probably a mineral oil is, would be my guess. Oh. Not, not uh, a... Yeah, I think it was like proprietary. I couldn't figure out what it was. <laughs> special, special I think oil. only this dude's company was making them, so wow. I'm pretty sure only he knew. That's huh. awesome. It's just from his like face. He's just wiping his face. <laughs> yeah, off. he had the perfect like, oh. face oil. <laughs> <laughs> no one else can make it. <laughs> Were there other projection systems being used, or was this like in every single sport? This was the only like... thing that could do big projections. Until the 90s. Huh. There were like CRT projections, which just had a like a tube TV inside, basically, yeah. from what I could tell, that then shot out the three colors, but they couldn't get any bigger than some certain size right. before the scan lines or whatever were too big. Mm -hmm. So if you saw like a big live projection before the 90s, that's probably what it was, hmm. as far as I can tell. I think that they had some LED stuff that they were doing before the 90s. Oh, but okay. I'm old enough now that like what I when I like went to sports games when I was a kid, like if they used that stuff now still, we'd be like, what is this trash? <laughs> and we were like, this is amazing. You can look at the th replays up on the Jumbotron. Uh-huh. All old TV stuff. How could you watch sports on just a regular oh, TV? Oh my God, yeah. So so much better now. Mm -hmm. Thanks, technology. Now we can enjoy sports better. Sari, can you beat the Edafor? The Shelby Electric Company in Shelby, Ohio, was a manufacturing company that was established in 1896 and went out of business in 1912. So they didn't last very long. But when they were still operational, they made light bulbs out of hand-blown glass. Ooh. And specifically, they made incandescent bulbs, which run an electric current through a metal filament so that it glows and it produces heat mm -hmm. and light. And then the glass keeps oxygen from reaching the wire so it doesn't oxidize and break down. And the Shelby Electric Company made a variety of bulbs, including a 60-watt model with a carbon-containing filament made by a secret process. Nowadays, bulbs have tungsten filaments, which is a conductor, but this mysterious carbon filament was a semiconductor and also eight times thicker than modern light bulbs. Okay. The reason why this company is important is because there's something called the Centennial Light, which is a light bulb that has been based 
basically continuously lit up since June 1901, over 118 Mm. years. It is located in Livermore, California, and maintained by the fire department. And you can watch it on a live stream. There's like a link. You can see (laughs) it lit up. It had a million hours party in 2001 because it's been lit up for so long besides like weird power outages or like one time when someone was watching the stream and they were like the light bulb went out they thought it was broken but it was actually like a generator that messed up right Uh, just Um, not getting power yeah so they're not flipping the switch on and off mm -mm. when they leave okay no so it's still on and it's instead of 60 watts which is like the estimated start output of it it's at about four watts now oh. so like very dim mm. nightlight why is it decreasing in brightness i have no I idea so. something to do with like the decay of the universe maybe in the metal <laughs> 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 businesses have like studied this to be like why is this light bulb on for so long mm-hmm. studied similar models and i couldn't understand uh why yeah. so there, there might be some ideas like the semiconductor material but that's where my understanding of physics gets wibbly and some people are just like it could be a manufacturing fluke because these light bulbs are all hand-blown Like, something about the combination of the metal and the glass, like, just made this super bulb. Mm -hmm. But also, another contributing factor is something called planned obsolescence, Mm -hmm. which is the sort of stuff conspiracy theories are made of. Big light bulb. So companies like GE, Philips, Tokyo Electric, Germany's Osram, France's Comagnie de... De lamps or something. I can't. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful language. lamp company. Lamp company <laughs> formed the Phoebus Cartel and met in oh. December 1924 to increase light bulb sales by bringing down the lifespan of light bulbs. They used to last or over like 2,500 hours, mm-hmm. and then they all these big light bulb people met and said, "We only want our light bulbs to last." a thousand hours and they like really regulated factories so that mm-hmm. they did that and then oh. they like divided up the world into market zones and set sales quotas yeah that's exactly the kind of thing that is definitely illegal <laughs> it is what they disbanded in the 1930s but like planned obsolescence still affects light bulbs and, and is now like the basis for a lot of other tech speculation of like bat smartphone batteries like mm-hmm. is planned obsolescence a thing to make mm-hmm. us buy new phones there's also the conspiracy theory that they all know how to cure cancer but won't tell us because if they mm. cure it there's no money to be made anyway i hate it i want like a really old light bulb in my house i don't care if it's dim but i want to be like <laughs> this light bulb was passed down for generations yeah, i'm sure it's extremely inefficient <laughs> yeah, yeah. <probably. laughs> does turning a light bulb on and off damage the light bulb in a in well yeah i don't know okay. there is like some speculation about that. I couldn't find anything for certain, but... Um, it's like, you know, I think it's going to expand and contract <clears throat> and like the glass is going to expand and contract when it right. gets hot and cold. And it's probably not producing a ton of heat at this point either mm-hmm. because it's so dim. Mm-hmm. All right, it's time to choose, everybody. Are you ready to choose, Stefan? Yeah, I think so. One, two, three, Sam. Ooh. Oh, thank you. I can't resist a cartel. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, that's yeah, what they're they for. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Easily pressured. Now it's time to ask the science couch where we got some listener questions for our couch of finely honed scientific minds. This is from at Hattink Jorian. I've heard of the darkest artificial dark, but what is the brightest artificial light and what is it used for? Is it used for probably research, right? Yeah. <laughs> research, good bet. Yeah, uh, but also, like, for a practical use. Would it be for, like, exploration of some sort or for, like, shining it onto something to make something Yeah, lighthouses. Specific happen? <laughs> oh, 
Lighthouse. Lighthouse. Lighthouse is supposed to be pretty bright. What's the darkest oh. artificial dark? I've never heard of that. Yeah, what is that? So there's a material. Vanta black. A Vanta black oh, okay. that oh. the artist is Anish that... Kapoor developed. It's like carbon nanotubes that yeah, bounce sure. around like. Does that qualify as the darkest artificial dark? Yeah. If you're that... in a cube made out of it. Yeah, you got to get in a yes. cube made out of it. Okay. Oh, it sucks up all the photons. But also. Okay. If you just look at it, it looks very yeah. apparently unsettlingly. But then black. it's very huh. bright if I turn to the right. If I'm looking at Vanta Black, that's why you got to be in the cube. That's why I need a whole cube, and yeah. then the space that I occupy is it's as a dark as right. And you got to cover space. yourself in Vanta Black spray paint. Yes. <sighs> so what's the brightest bright we've ever brighted? And is it on a submarine? No, yeah. not on a submarine. The brightest bright is at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. There's the Extreme Light Laboratory where mm. physicists do oh. weird stuff. And they <laughs> created a laser called Diocles in oh, 2017. Diocles? Diocles. Named Af- after? Named after the inventor from 200 BC Ooh. of the parabolic reflector, which okay. is the best focusing element mm-hmm. um, for, for light. And so they created the super bright laser because they wanted to see what super bright light could do. Research. Sure. Just they were like, we're going to make a bright light. Why? Because we want to see what it will do. Mm-hmm. Its peak power is 10 to the 14 watts. That's way more uh. than that light bulb in Wakamaku. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, according to their website, greater than all of the world's power plants combined. Uh. And it's delivered uh. in short bursts of light, each lasting only 10 to the negative 14 seconds. Uh. So, like, very short bursts, very powerful. Huh. Huh. I have found multiple sources on this, and I did not talk to the scientists, but it's somewhere between 10 million times brighter than the sun. Mm. And one billion times brighter than the sun. Okay. Sure. At that Someone, point. At that yeah, point. <laughs> it's like, I, I can't really picture either of those things accurately. Yes. But pro tip, don't look don't at look it. Don't look at it. Yeah. So Please. the scientists have to wear eye protection, like, uh-huh. with all lasers. But they also have to wear a lot of, like, body protection when you work with lasers. Like, hair nets, breathing masks, and other things so to protect the lasers from you. Because uh-huh. you don't want to, like, drop particles. If that much light hits my hair, my hair is on fire. Yeah. But it's <laughs> such short exposure. Mm-hmm. What are they doing what, with it? Would you go blind? Would you, or was it just so short that like you'd would, be fine? Would you be able to see through me? <laughs> oh yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is like what they're looking into. Apparently, oh. Diocles produces oh, x-rays that can see through 10 inch thick steel. No. Whoa. And so they wow. think that they might be able to use super high-powered artificial lights to make x-rays with lower radiation dose or to produce images with really high resolution. Nice. Is it such a short amount of time so it doesn't actually burn through the thing like a laser? Or like, could it do that even? I don't understand. Will I vaporize? I think it would carry enough energy that that if it's going through 10 inches of steel, it's going through all six inches of you. Okay. (laughs) Not a dick joke. (laughs) And I'm not only six inches tall. Right. No, you're six inches thick. Yeah. With two C's. Okay. It. <laughs> it's not getting better. Yeah. We just got to shine a lot of blue light on Sam. <laughs> and then shoot it with a laser? <laughs> no. You shine it on your perineum, then you are energized for life. For life. You never have to eat just again. You yeah. become Dr. Manhattan. Is okay. there a saturation point for brightness? Like, the air around us can only transmit so much sound. 
can the sort of universally permeating photon field only yeah. create so many photons per square centimeter is the question. Like, what's the and max, probably max brightness? Probably something to do with Planck limits and string theory. <laughs> yeah, I just read the sentence, for maximum light, photons are bosons, and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I'm gone. <laughs> if you want to ask the Science Couch your question, follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we will tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at VanillaGodzilla uh, at that's what it says yeah. at Joseph J. Nathan and everybody else who tweeted as your questions this episode ah final sandbook scores Sari's got one Sam's got one and Stefan and I come out tied a very symmetrical episode <laughs> alright before we get to our butt fact if you like this show and you want to help us out it's very easy to do that you can leave us a review wherever you listen that helps us know what you like about the show also we look to iTunes reviews for topic ideas so if you have any you can leave those in the reviews second tweet out your favorite moment from the show and finally if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents just tell people about us thank you for joining. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and the wonderful team at WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who also edits a lot of these episodes along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Chakravarti. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. Fireflies. Their butts light up. Uh-huh. Whoa. They are, in fact, very good at lighting their butts up as they put out nearly 100% of the light that they produce in the chemical reaction that makes the light. LED lights, on the other hand, uh, usually are somewhere around 50% efficiency. Both fireflies and LED lights have microscopic pyramidal projections in the part of them that emit light, and these projections help scatter the light outward. But fireflies have asymmetrical projections and LED lights have symmetrical ones. So scientists noticed this and they did a computer model of a LED light design with asymmetrical projections mm-hmm. that puts out 90% efficiency yeah. light. But they haven't gotten to there with actual like 3D actually, printed. This hard. Yeah, they've yeah. tried and they've gotten better. The prototypes have made it better, but they're wow. not quite to 90% huh. yet. Fireflies never have to worry about sunning their perineum. <laughs>